Welcome, everyone. This is Mac on the Rock with Marvelous, Victorious, the indelible Ed Vidal here on the Concrete Conservatives, WSQF 94.5, where we blink once. Yes, we said it. You blink twice. Yes, you missed it. Guess what? We got to get rid of a Republican. His name is Justin Amash, who claims to be a freaking libertarian. And all he is an anti-Trumper, so he's going to be primary. Well, Matt, well, Mac, here's the issue, and, and welcome everyone to Concrete Conservatives, WSQF 94.5 FM in Key Biscayne. Uh, today we have the example of a so-called libertarian, Justin Amash from Michigan, who has come out and said that Trump should be impeached. Now, I have always told my son that libertarians are nutty people. Now, on economic issues... We conservatives are libertarians. When it comes to low taxes, deregulation, limited government, we're libertarians. But where libertarians don't have a screw loose, they have a screw missing, is they don't realize that there's a bigger component to being uh, a limited government person than just the economics. And that includes the politics. And in politics in America, we're divided into teams. And you have to stand for your team or... You won't get anything done, and your cause will not be moved forward. So in this case, you know, Justin Amash is very concerned about Obama. Well, what? where is Justin Amash's concern about the spying on the uh, political opposition that was clearly done? Where was he? A la, a la Edgar Hoover. Well, J. Edgar Hoover, right. Or where was he with the, uh, the clearing of uh, uh, Hillary Clinton by the FBI, despite all her... Uh, all her, uh, 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 you know, uh, trepidations. Private, well, tro- uh, private emails, which the Obama administration knew about. Where was he? Where was Justin Mash complaining you know, maybe, about the Mueller Hillary, investigation? Maybe Hillary was sending porn. Whatever it was to Bill, to kind of like no, get him no. back, get and him maybe back, that's why the FBI she wouldn't investigate. Want him back. That's your mistake. So Justin Amash has been silent about the FBI uh, cover-up for Hillary. He's been silent about the FBI and the CIA spying on the Obama administration, their attempted coup against, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the Trump administration, the whole Mueller investigation, which is a total fraud. Mueller apparently knew from the beginning there was no evidence of any Russian collusion. Well, let me cash out. How much do you think he got paid? Who? It's in public records. Do you know how much Mueller was paid for they, this investigation? They, they spent a lot of money. I, well, I don't it was know. $27 million for the investigation. How much did he get paid? Well, he I don't know. But it was, you know, they were all... You know, these are lawyers, so they're, all their pay, uh, salaries are very uh, And you know what? I think about the uh, uh, yeah. lawyers here yeah. in the Concrete Concert. Yeah. So this guy, Justin Amash, is a complete idiot, and I think he's already being primaried. And the other guy that should be primaried is Mitt Romney, who is a wussy rhino from uh, a long time ago. See, the, the, the Mueller investigation was very effective in demoralizing Republicans until very recently. And that is what led to 46 Republicans. Now, these were Republicans who were easily demoralized. Go, e- go easy on who we primary as senators. We're on thin ice right now. Not in Utah. Well, you know, guess what? Not you, in Utah. You can't afford... Look, you said that in Alabama. Look what we got. A well, we'll, we'll, a we'll fix pokey. Alabama. We'll fix Alabama. The thing but Justin the- Mass should be primaried. And I think... Yeah, that, but that's Congress. Yeah, but see, but for the House, I think you're seeing... A lot of strong candidates, and that's going to be one of our callers in the second hour. Tell us who this caller is. Uh, the caller is Aaron Cruz, 
from California. Running in the Jumbo primary. Well, she, jungle. Yeah. She, uh, no, I call me, it Jumbo. No, no, but Jumbo means big. But she is running uh, for a Republican congressional seat in California. What does jungle mean? Jungle means that the top two uh, get go to the runoff. It comes from Louisiana. Louisiana has a similar primary where you don't do it by party. You do it regardless of party. The top two go into a runoff. And that's the way it's done in France. And, it's, and also, I think, in Brazil. So Louisiana, because of its French connection... Uh, decided, I don't know how long ago, to have their primaries the same way they're done in France. And one, in which Louisiana what, case, it's more Republican, and California's case is more Democrat. Right, yeah. But no, but in, but in some uh, counties, like Orange County, used to be uh, very uh, Republican. And there are a lot of Asian uh, uh, citizens in Orange County that should be voting Republican. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have people calling in, telling us why Asians... And African Americans and Hispanics and tech entrepreneurs should be voting Republican. So this uh, this person is with the last name Cruz, no relation. No, no. There's a lot of Cruises. There's a lot of Cruises on the Democratic Party running for president and on the, on the Democrat Party. No, there's yeah. no Cruz. Yeah, there's a Cruz who. Um, there's no his, Cruz. Yes, there is. What's his name? Is running? He's one of the twenty-five. Castro. Cast. Oh, it's uh, Castro. Castro. Oh, the Castro brothers. Julian I stand is corrected. running and Joaquin is a congressman. That's right. I stand corrected. All these Hispanic names sound alike to you, right? Yeah, you know, they, they, they also you call me. You have Catalan names, so it's different. Yeah, yeah. thank God Castilian for that. names are different. You don't mess with me, baby. I'm right. no Fernandez, you know, I know Vidal. I know, no, that's a Catalan name, too. But I know too many of them. Really? Too many of Vidal's, and, and a lot of them are attorneys. Really? Terrible. So All I just right. write them off from my... There you go. From my yellow pages. So, uh, he or she is calling, by the way. Aaron Cruz is a girl. It's a, it's a, it's a woman, but it's there's woman. Aaron's that are boys. Really? I didn't know which one of the two. I had to ask. No, no, she, and she's very lively. And, you know, she's got a, a tough road ahead, but we'll see. But there's a lot of interest. We're, we're, I'm also working on getting one of the local uh, Republican candidates for Congress, 26th District, Irina Villarino. Yes. She, I've, I've met with her a couple of times. Chain of restaurants here locally. She is the daughter of a, a Cuban-American family that owns 15 Las Who Vegas. Who came in here during the Mariel days. She came on the Mariel boat lift. There were 49 people in a 25-foot boat. Wow. <laughs> and look, she's already employing a lot of people, they are, living, living the American busy. dream, that's paying right. taxes. Well, that's what happens when you get high-quality uh, human capital uh, immigrants. Well, we know that about the Cuban right. exile. You know the Pew, Pew Research did a study on minority groups in the United mm-hmm. States. And who came out number top? Number one. Not even the Chinese. I thought the Chinese or the Niger- We blew them away. Nigerians. <laughs> we blew them away. Well, I don't know. The- we are the number one contributing tax-paying minority group in the history of the United States oh, immigration. I don't know. How about the Jews? The Jews are very successful. That's not an ethnic group. Oh, okay. That's a religious. Yes, they are. They're an ethnic group. They're all Abraham's uh, children. Yeah. Uh-huh. Abraham and Sarah. Shh. Absolutely. Look, Ed Vidal, who's the second... Caller, she's not calling first. I, no, I no, believe no. The, the first the, caller the first, is administrative state. The first caller is the administrative state, and I don't know if you know your Latin. Do you? Did you uh, study Latin and Roman history? I flunked it. Okay, Cato the Elder was a statesman while Rome was fighting Carthage, uh, in for uh, supremacy in the Western Hemisphere, and he started finishing all his speeches by saying, "Carthage must be destroyed." Like, a, and, like and, we say about the Democratic Party, right? And so the way the, in, in in Latin it says Carthago. 
Delenda Est. Really, literally saying Carthage must be deleted. Wow. <laughs> but yes, that was pretty bad. So today, the motto for our first caller is Stato Administrativo Delenda Est. That's Latin for the administrative state must be deleted. Yes, and you said that was a product of the New Deal. A lot Explain. of those agencies, were, a lot of those agencies came about. All the alphabet soup agencies were started by New Deal. They actually started. A lot of them started with the Progressive Era, especially Woodrow Wilson. What didn't? What didn't? Yeah, no, all the what, bad what things. What right, Nineteen thirteen, right? Yes. But so in the New Deal, they really started taking over. Uh, and the biggest one that the Supreme Court saved us from is the National Recovery Administration, which was going to create a cartel in every industry and tell every producer how much to produce and at what price. And that's what... That it's was, called price fixing. It's, yeah, well, they, that's right. It was totally contrary to antitrust law. It, it still goes on in some of the, uh, some of the agricultural products, like there's a, the recently a California walnuts case where the, the, the walnut uh, board was telling the, the growers how much they could grow, and that was challenged. But, that's kind of nutty, isn't it? Well, it was very nutty, but uh, this is Franklin Roosevelt's uh, solution for the Great Depression with ideas he borrowed from... Mussolini in Italy, and in Italy, this is called corporatism, where the state organizes industry into particular chambers of commerce for each industry, and then they control. And the problem with that is you have no competition. You you stifle innovation. Plus, a newbie can't get in the marketplace that's, to compete. That's exactly what I said. New, it, 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 all, all government regulation becomes a barrier to entry, and that's what happens... Uh, especially in the U.S. So what happened with these administrative agencies is that they do three things that are supposed to be separated under the constitutional theory of American government. They legislate, that is, they write regulations. They prosecute, so they enforce their regulations. And then they bring you in, in front of a judge who is their employee. It's not an Article Three judge. Unbelievable. So, you know, people like the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission... If you're a broker-dealer, investment advisor... Well, that would explain why nobody was prosecuted after the fallout of 2008. That could be. That could, that's that's got to be it. Well, All yeah. those people are yanking on the same chain. Yeah, all and making... at the same time, the SEC missed a Madoff, even though a private... He was account... one of them. He rose to the top right. of that chain. <laughs> Wasn't he the head of the uh, exchange? He uh, was a senior person at NASDAQ for a while. Jeez. Yes. Louise. You realize what a racket all this liberalism is? It is Statism, a racket. Statism, it's all a racket. They're just the liars and thieves. And this is what we mean when these people, uh, through their liberalism, rationalize everything out, like the fetus isn't a baby uh, concept that's going out right now. Yep. And it's going out everywhere. Women are, are, are appalled. See how quickly I changed the subject? And uh, I've been on the thread now for two days. Uh, doing the, the typical banner, you know, what does a child have to do with all these poor decisions? Abortion is simply the capital punishment of a fetus for the crimes of its parents. And it's that simple. Women have got to realize, my God, there's just no reason to get pregnant, period. And then they keep on with the same sloppy, egotistical, lazy argument. Well, rape and incense, rape and incense. Well, you know, I see political uh, candidates losing because they say what I'm about to say right now. You mean Todd Aiken? Yeah. Yeah. That under a rape, under a violent rape situation, um, the body tends to shut down. Well, becomes... You don't have to get into all that detail. Well, that's what the argument. Yeah. That's what the. Uh, well, uh, but the important thing is that all this new legislation. It's a lazy argument. All this new legislation limiting abortion in the in the Republican states comes because of two things. First of all, 
there are more conservative judges on the court. But more importantly... That isn't the reason. That's, well, that's like the last reason. It, it's a response to the infanticide. To the idiots. Yeah, in Not New idiot, York. Infanticide in Virginia and yeah, New York and other in New states. York. They're not idiots. They want to kill their babies. You know, that's very rational. I mean, some would say they deserve to die, but their creator differs, so we have to follow their creator. Well, I mean, if we're going to uphold unalienable rights, then you can't... The right to life? The right to life begins... I don't go as far as conception. I do not. Why not? Because... I believe it's an abomination to convince people that there is a God. I believe that I need to speak my faith as an example, but I can't impose what many people do not believe. So, But if you don't believe in the Creator, then how can you be an American? The Declaration of Independence proclaims it. Hey, I guarantee you there's a lot of people in this country who don't, for a moment, think they're American, and yet Mm. they were born here and everything else. I do believe they should narrow it to 12 weeks. That's okay. more than ample time to be late on your period, another month to figure out that, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. Maybe I should go and get tested at CVS. The heartbeat and, starts at eight weeks. And then at eight weeks is the heartbeat. That's where I can't go because it will it will create a bloodbath in society with women going into the, around the corner to get an abortion. So I have to acknowledge that harsh reality among the human race, that they're just non-believers. They just mm-hmm. don't believe in anything, basically. Most people have a real problem believing in something greater than themselves. Uh, our first caller is trying to call. He says the line just keeps ringing. Oh, you know what it is? Our friend, sports say Soggy Bacon, who turns off the alarm and leaves and leaves it. Uh, with the, there we go. Caleb. Uh, go ahead and call again. He hasn't called. I'm telling him I'm very sorry. That's definitely... Uh, there's definitely... What's going on here? The volume here... What's going on? What's going on? Did we just lose? We have no line. We have Ukrainian hackers. Yeah, there's something going on. Oh, he actually, look. What? He disconnected. He disconnects the phone. Look at that. Is that ridiculous or what? He doesn't want callers. He just wants to sprout on. So let's uh, let's ship on. I told Caleb to call. That was totally burnt egg, soggy bacon, what you did here. Disconnecting the phone when you know, Mr... Cranky Frankie, that after you got your burnt eggs going on your sports show, you got to put the phone back on. That's not right. So if you're listening out there, call in to Burnt Eggs Soggy Bacon Live and let him know that he's taking I'll, out the I'll phone. I'll call tomorrow. Jeez, it's ridiculous. Disconnects the phone line. Unbelievable. Maybe the FCC should come after him. Yep. With the administrative state. Put him in front of an administrative law judge. Wow, that is so tacky, man. Talking about giving... Okay. Hello, is that Caleb? Yeah, that's Caleb. Okay, Caleb, we had, we had some technical problems. Technical difficulty. Our sports guy disconnected the phone. Can you believe it? The guy on just before us. <laughs> he likes to just pontificate and not take calls from the fans. All right, so I have to disclaim that you are now live on WSQF 94.5 FM, and, and, the Concrete Conservative, and let me Ed Vidal in- continuously interrupts this show. Yes, let me introduce Caleb. He is a lawyer with the New Civil Liberties Alliance a libertarian or conservative public interest law firm based in Washington. Is that right? That's right. 
All right. So you guys are doing some really interesting litigation. And I was telling Manny that one of the things you do is you Wait take... Wait a minute. Time out. It's Mac, Mac. on the I was rock. telling Mac on the rock that you guys uh, take on some interesting litigation regarding the administrative state. And as I was explaining to Mac, the administrative state is a violation of the due process clause of the Constitution and also of Montesquieu's idea of the separation of powers because they both, uh, the administrative agencies write the regulations, enforce them, and then they bring you up in front of their employee, not an Article Three judge. So what can you tell us about that? Thanks again for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Um, but you're absolutely right that the administrative state is this big unconstitutional behemoth in government that it does exactly what you said. It, it writes the laws, it then enforces them, and it, it brings people in front of in-house administrative employees that pretend that they're judges to try to decide whether or not they violated the rules that the agency wrote. Well, we just so, got uh, we just got hit over the band over the head with a news release that says a judge sides with the House Democrats on subpoena to order Trump's former accounts to turn over financial <laughs> records based on what? Well, they'll 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 litigate that. Don't worry. Don't yeah, that's a, that sounds like administrative judges to me. I mean, my God. No, those are federal Article Three judges. I yeah, think. Yeah, unbe- un- unbelievably so. So, how would that work, Caleb? What do you What do you see? Well, so so you know the example I I like to give um, about you know what what I'm talking about and and this is a case that uh, the New Civil Liberties Alliance has been involved in is take the Securities and Exchange Commission. Okay. Um, you know, that is a commission that it's an administrative agency. It's supposed to enforce the securities laws. Um, but what happens is you have this administrative agency, the Securities and Exchange Commission. They write rules that people in the financial industry have to follow. But if you are alleged to break the rules, then the SEC prosecutes you in an SEC court in front of an SEC judge who's hired and overseen. And, and supervised by the SEC, the commission, who wrote all the rules and is also prosecuting the violation. And in that context, you're supposed to get a fair trial. Now, why was it concoctured that way back in the New Deal? What was the what was the, the reasoning for that type of uh, dynamic? I don't I don't understand how you can get a fair trial under those types of frameworks. Well, I don't think you can. And you know, if you look at the SEC. They came up with that, um, this is actually in the 70s, they came up with this administrative proceeding. And, and the idea behind it, unfortunately, was Congress said that it was a little bit too difficult to prosecute people for allegedly violating securities laws in federal court, which is where they all of the uh, prosecution started. And so they, they said, you know what, the SEC can do this on their own. They can do it in-house, and they can, you know, kind of, kind of, play a little more loose with the rules, and they don't have to give you the same kind of protections that you get in federal court. And I think the idea with Congress is they said, well, maybe the SEC will be careful about it. They'll only prosecute really minor cases or cases that are, you know, would be, it would be a waste of resources to prosecute it in federal court. But what's happened is, you know, the SEC has decided this is great. This is so easy. Uh, we don't have to give people any kind of protection. Let's just bring it all in-house. And so, you know, over the last 30, 40 years, that's what you've seen. More and more 
the NCC has just pulled these cases in-house. So I'm assuming that the Congress was grotesquely Democratic majorities yeah, back in the then. 70s, right. In other words, both houses, 20-something years. There were a straight. lot of bad things going on in the 70s. Polyester, right. long hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, you know, this is just an example, I think, of, you know, this is something else that, that NCLA talks about a lot, is Congress has a really bad habit of, you know, they'll address what they see as a big problem. And, you know, in the 70s, they were dealing with penny stock exchanges, and there's certain other kind of bad behavior that they thought was a problem. And they said, you know what, we're, we're not actually going to come up with a solution. Um, we're going to let an administrative agency figure it out, and we're going to give the administrative agency the power. And the money. Just, and the money to just come up with the solution, and then we'll, we'll be hands off, and, and there, we did something. And, you know, you fast forward, and, and what you have is just this outrageous system that, you know, nobody from the outside can look at this and say, oh, that seems fair. Well, that explains but, why Bernie Madoff gets away with murder, having been one of these people. Well, and, and I think what happens is, you know, the SEC, particularly, they get the, these blinders on, and they, they start focusing on, you know, they bring these cases, and they prosecute them, and, and they they get so fixated on their internal process and jamming up people that they brought cases against that they miss really big, important cases. I mean, they, you know, whistleblowers alerted the SEC to Bernie Madoff for years, and they never went after him. Yeah, because he was one. Of, he was well, kind of one of them. Yeah, and it was private you, sector uh, watchdogs that that blew the whistle on Bernie. Right, and uh, you know, one of one of the new civil liberties clients is is Ray Lucia, and you, you that mean that name may seem somewhat familiar to people in, in legal um, you know in legal circles because this is a guy who actually went to the Supreme Court and won. He challenged the system in the SEC. Um, successfully, he said this is unconstitutional on on the way the SEC judges were appointed, and the Supreme Court agreed with them. Um, but unfortunately, now the SEC has continued to prosecute him in these administrative forums, um, and and they said, "Well, we fixed your one argument, your one problem, but we're going to keep prosecuting you in the same way." Okay, and what's what was his offense? So the audience knows. Well, so, so the SEC accused Mr. Lucia of misleading potential investors um, at a seminar. And, and basically what he did is he was giving investment advice seminars, um, telling people how to invest their money wisely. And the SEC didn't, agree, didn't say that he, he misled them in a sense that he told them information that was false. They just said that he should have given a more clear disclaimer that he wasn't guaranteeing some sort of performance. When and and I represent him, and he did give lots of disclaimers. He said this is not a guarantee, but the SEC decided it wasn't good enough. Um, you and, think and there's? This, do you think there was on a, their own? Excuse me for interrupting. Do you think there was any other insidious motivation for prosecuting him? Was he? incredibly successful? Did he have any enemies on the exchange? Uh, anything like that? Well, he was a very successful investment advisor. He had a long career. He had no complaints. Um, nobody ever accused, even the SEC, never accused him of, of defrauding anyone or having any of his clients lose money. He was very successful, and he did a very good job for his clients. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why the SEC decided to go after him. 
Um, maybe it was a measure of success. You know, he's a very outspoken, successful guy. But for, for whatever reason, the SEC decided to investigate him. They just they got it in their head that he, he didn't have adequate disclosures. Did he go, I mean, did he go broke trying to, well, I shouldn't say this question, considering I'm, I'm talking to his attorney, but did, did, uh, did he go broke because his uh, reputation was yeah, tarnished? Pro bono. Well, and, and we represent Mr. Lucio Pro Bono because... But I'm talking about uh, discredited reputation. Did it affect his no, business? No, absolutely. That is absolutely what happened, unfortunately. Okay. Um, you know, Mr. Lucio has been in this fight for years. He's taken it all the way to the Supreme Court, won, and he's still in the fight. And, he, you know, that is an unbelievably expensive process. You know, it was millions of dollars of legal fees to win to this to get to the Supreme Court in the first place. And the SEC still, you know, their their fangs are in and they're they're not letting go. And, you know, unbelievably what happened is he went in front of an in-house SEC judge the first time. And, you know, that judge had bragged openly about how he'd never ruled against anyone, um, never ruled against the SEC in an enforcement action. And, you know, unsurprisingly, this judge ruled against Mr. Lucia. Yeah. You know, those judges you know, those judges are now called administrative law judges, but they start out being called hearing officer, and they're not Article Three judges. That's correct. They're, you know, and, and what we learned in the whole process is we didn't even know how these people were hired. You know, the SEC was very secretive about how these people were hired, these administrative law judges, how they, they were appointed do they have to their to? position. Do they have to be lawyers? Yeah. Well, they uh, maybe, maybe we don't know what their rules are. <laughs> uh, you know, they were lawyers, but we didn't know anything about their background. We didn't really know what we did know, and what we found out in this in the course of litigating this case is very rarely were our SEC lawyers securities experts. You know, usually they come from some other branch of government. And, you know, I use the SEC as an example, but there are lots of other administrative agencies right. like this. Basically, every federal agency has an in-house court like this. And a lot of times these judges are not experts. They're not, they don't really know anything special about the law, but they're, you know, these very powerful in-house employees of the agency. Now, you, is there any calling for banning all types of administrative judges, or well, nobody's got the guts to sponsor yeah, legislation? they're not independent, they're, so it's a violation of due process. Well, there has well, to be laws right, that, and, that can be passed against this, right? and well, nobody's and doing one, it. One solution that's been suggested is an option, because currently the way it is in a lot of these cases, the FCC is a good example, the commission, you know, the agency who's bringing the case can decide. They can decide whether to bring it in federal court, in front of a real judge, or in-house in front of an administrative law judge. A that lot of times they that in itself is judge. very impartial, too. Right, right, yeah. Wow. Yeah, but the person who's being prosecuted can't make that decision. And so one solution I've seen, which it seems like a, you know, at least a reasonable solution is, person who's being prosecuted should be able to decide, hey, I want to go to federal court. I don't want to be in the administrative proceeding anymore. Can you appeal from an administrative uh, ruling to a federal judge? Well, unfortunately, and and I will say we, we are in the process of seeking intervention in federal court for Mr. Lucia, right. but it's been very difficult. And there are, unfortunately, lots of courts who said that you have to go through the administrative process 
entirely right. before you can go to a real court. So you have to and appeal so, to the commission and everything. Yeah. So if Mr. Lucia were to lose in front of an administrative law judge, he would have to go to the commission and then to a federal court. And that's actually what he did the first time. He went. He lost in front of the ALJ, the administrative law judge, then the commission, then the federal court, the D.C. Circuit, then the Supreme Court. He won. And his reward after all that was to go right back to a new administrative law judge and you know, start the entire process over. The, the other problem with that process is that a lot of the federal courts have had this doctrine of deference. So even if you get to the federal courts, they're going to defer to the supposedly superior expertise of this non-constitutional fourth administrative branch of the federal government. That's right. And it's on it's on issues about what happened, and it's also on issues of the law, which is the most bizarre aspect of it, you know, you have situations where you have a federal court, you know, three members of a federal appeals court who are appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate saying that they will accept an administrative law judge's view of the law. They'll defer to it right. without examining it closely, even though this ALJ was hired by the commission who is prosecuting the case and and is supposed to and is being overseen by the commission? Right. I, I mean, it's just outrageous that this is the the kind of circumstance that people face them face. No, I, I assume that there's no jury trials in, in no, this. No, no, it's always no, a judge. There's not. no jury, nothing. Absolutely not. And okay. if this case was brought in federal court, it, there would be a jury trial, right? Right. And you know, and that is. That is a very important aspect of this because, you know, Mr. Lucia's case is a good example. This is a case that is not a, you know, this is not a major fraud accusation. You know, we, we dispute the accusation entirely, but, you know, you, it, this is the kind of case that if you bring it in front of a jury, I think most people can understand very quickly that this is, there's nothing there. There's no misconduct. There's nothing wrong there. And that's, that's why you need juries, because people can see whether or not the government is, is overreaching. They're doing too much. And, and it's really important to have people from the community test a case like this. So is, is there ever a statement when you represent these folks? You ever make a statement about the very existence of, these, of this format? Or you just go ahead with your legal trial and... Leave the political stunts for some. Yeah, you, someone you can else. say that you're doing the the administrative procedure in um, in, protest. in protest, right? Like in a ball game, right? <laughs> well, and and so you know, this is what the new civil liberties is all about. You know, we we represent individuals, obviously, but our goal is to take down the entire infrastructure. And so, for you know, our client Ray Lucia, we are fighting tooth and nail. We're objecting in the administrative proceeding. We've uh, brought a case in federal court to try to stop the administrative proceeding. And, you know, that is just one example. Um, you know, we have clients in other administrative agencies that we're, we're fighting back against because these are all invalid. These judges, you know, they're not real judges and they have no business trying these cases. And, you know, our mission is to is to take these these kind of administrative proceedings and make them a memory, a bad memory. Well, I have a motto for your organization. It comes from ancient Rome, uh, and I was telling Manny that 
Cato the Elder was a Roman statesman during their wars with Carthage, and he got to the point where he was so upset with Carthage that he uh, he would end all his speeches with Carthago delenda est, which is literally translate to Carthage must be deleted or destroyed. <laughs> so I think you should your your motto I wrote on there uh, uh, it should be uh, stato administrativo, which is Latin for the administrative state. Delenda est must be deleted. I, uh, you know, I, I support that 100%. Right. I like that. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get to, Manny, will, Mac will get some bumper stickers, right, Mac? <laughs> yeah, you know, I I, I want to know what are the outcomes. Are you going to call us back to tell us what are the outcomes? I mean, he can't be your only client, so you yeah, haven't told well, us he, about you're others. You're working on the Coral Gables uh uh, camera, right? Oh, that's right. Life we talked camera. We, yeah. Yes, that was so last whenever, time. So you got to tell us when those things uh, have development so we can have you back. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we are, unfortunately, the court system is uh, sometimes frustratingly slow, but I'm, I'm, I will definitely pass along updates when they come up. Yeah, that, that, that camera issue affects me personally, you know. Um, and uh, when you have a, any type of tag, on your driver's license, Ma- Manny, any driver. If you didn't have something to hide, you wouldn't mind all those cameras. Well, what happens is, what happens is, whoever drives your car, yeah, if it's your car, or someone else's car, your tag, if that driver is the yeah, person who's you suspended, you're you getting pulled over because you're driving the car of someone who's suspended. All right, and it shows up on the camera, and the camera pulls you over, and it could be embarrassing. If, if it you could had, be a business associate you, meeting. If, like, if you had nothing to hide, you wouldn't mind all that surveillance. No, I'm talking about the driver of the car. Okay. Sometimes you lend the card to a child, a Uh-oh. family member, and they're getting pulled over because you're suspended and you're the owner of the car. But, hey, what happens if your child is uh, speaking to uh, a campus counselor who's interviewing her to get into a university? Yeah. And you're being pulled over because your dad's a school full or your daughter is the yeah. one who's suspended yeah, and you're yeah, driving yeah. her car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're getting pulled over and you might be having a business meeting. Absolutely. And it's the ter- this, all because of this freaking camera. Yep. Meanwhile, it makes it makes for very lazy cops because they rely on the camera. You get it? And Coral Gables, yeah. So stay tuned for the camera fiasco, courtesy of the Alliance. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call, and uh, uh, definitely uh, we want to hear updates from time to time. All right. Thank you. Thank Mark. you very much. Thank Take you. Care. I mean, it, the camera thing is a nightmare. Yeah, it's just every the administrative state is out of control, and it's something that. Uh, Anglo-Saxon law, and which we have mostly in the United States, does not have mostly, that kind with of, exception of Louisiana. Louisiana, yes, uh, they, they, it doesn't really provide for that kind of administrative state. That's something that you saw most uh, often in the continent, like in, Fran- in France, Germany, Spain, where there were these uh, administrative agencies, like the Inquisition, for example, was an administrative agency. They would uh, charge you and then try you before their own courts. You didn't have a chance to necessarily present, confront your accuser. And that's the tradition that America was born away from. And then the progressive era, starting with Woodrow Wilson and then heating up with the New Deal, created all these administrative agencies. And then, you know, for example, Richard... Just another, I suspect this came out of the Communist Manifesto well, as well. Well, absolutely. And then, but Richard Nixon, who is a Republican, he created a lot of administrative agencies. So he added look, to it. He added to it. 1970s, if you look at American uh, economic growth, the pattern took a dip in 1970 to 73, and I submit, and a lot of other economists I know that said, he expanded uh, he collective bargaining OSHA, for federal well, employees. Well, there you go. But OSHA
OSHA and ERISA and EPA and a lot of those administrative agencies were added in, during the Nixon administration. That and going off the gold standard and applying wage and price no, no, controls. No, 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 don't go sideways on yeah, me. Stick well, to the administrative judge. Yeah, they, they had just a, a lot of administrative agencies were added during his administration, like the EPA. If you're charged with, they, they, they pretend to regulate the waters of the Americas. So if you have a puddle in your backyard, well, the EPA Well, how about Miami-Dade County water and sewer? Well, that, that's another thing. The EPA should be all over them. Well, no, no, no. You don't want the federal government. You should be all over them. Well, guess what? Here on Blink Radio, as much as we would love to do that, yeah, we know that someone out there is listening to it. Because someone's got to come up with a lot of money to move Virginia Key away from Virginia Key. That facility being built out there. What kind of facility is that? It's the entire principal water and sewer facility for all of Dade County. There's others it's throughout the... It's in Virginia the, Key? And it's, yeah, it's, and it's, uh, it's pipes are completely blown up underwater. Salt has eaten them all away. Uh, raw sewage is be- is leaking out. Today we had a huge algae bloom this morning here on the island, and uh, that seems to be stemming from the flamingo, you know, the actual flamingo uh, algae blooms. I'm not implying that the algae blooms this morning had anything to do with Virginia Key, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. If there's fecal matter leaking out from underneath the seabed here because these pipes go out to the Gulf Stream. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be the water supposed to be clean by the time they go out out to the Gulf Stream. It's supposed to be already processed water. Right. But if there's leaks somewhere else in the system, and obviously along with the clean well, water is the uh, uh, ship water. I, I, I would say the 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 federal government should not get involved in that. That is a state and local government issue. Maybe you should appeal. How about mitigation uh, issue? You can't wait to find the money for this stuff. There is no money for this kind of stuff. Well, they need to come up with it. The, the feds state. come up with money for clean water all the time. That's because they have our income oh, the tax. And, yeah, the EPA, forget it. No, I think you need to talk to the state. Isn't this, The state has an environmental protection department. Oh, I'm sure they're... I'm, I'm, Absolutely sure. They're, what they're, about the county? Just talk to the county. Their group's already communicating. You know, uh, Sabrina Fulton, uh, Trayvon Martin's uh She's mother, running for a commissioner she is, now. She, yeah, she's running for a commissioner. We should talk to her about these uh, issues of waste disposal in Key Biscayne and Virginia Key. She'd probably be happy to hear from a constituent. And is she is, is she's running in your district or mine? No, district number one, which I think is up north. North uh, Miami. North Miami, right. Where they need stand-your-ground laws. Absolutely, absolutely. And you would you be voting for her? Is that what you're implying? No, I, she's uh, she's not in my district. I'm going to stand my ground and not vote for her. Absolutely, I wouldn't vote even if she was in my district. Um, I have a problem. But that's a, the the example. What I'm saying is, you need to. Those are local issues, state and local issues that the federal government should not be involved with. Well, moving Virginia Key is going to cost billions. Moving of, what Virginia? The Key? whole facility out of there. Why do they have to move it out? It's outdated. It can't be uh Have to resolved. be replaced? Uh, well, the huge pipe that goes underneath the bay was mm-hmm. a major investment that was super expensive. When was it made? It would be, uh, it's probably 20 years now. And they enlarged the pipe of the ships. That's Now huge ships can sail through smelly ships. Should they from, build another facility further south, maybe by... Uh we have a Homestead? tough time because we're so close to the aquifer, but, man, it can't be there. Uh, um, they just don't want to admit the fact that they have to move it, and it's an enormous endeavor, and nobody wants to it's touch gonna it. It's going to be very expensive? I would, I, I would say uh, the perfect place would be uh, right next to 
uh, the Future Ultra concert venue. Where is the Future uh, Ultra concert venue? The Homestead Air Force Base. Homestead, okay. So That's maybe down pr- there. That would be a good place to do a, a massive, modern water sewer facility and just pump it up north. But the, the Dade County probably can't afford it because they built this huge baseball stadium, which is very expensive, right? Uh, yeah, I believe that the city of Miami is on the hook there, too. Oh, it's, two, it's two governments. It was mostly Dade County, though. You're absolutely right. When they, I think they had to double the bed tax for tourists to pay for that. And the Marlins got away with uh, murder there. Yep. Or a highway robbery. But, again, you went sideways on me. How you distract me? No, no, no. The, but the question is the federal government and the federal administrative agencies should be as little involved in this kind of state and local issue when as it, possible. When it has to do with water and the Clean Water Act that are federal laws, well, I think the government of the federal United it, it States is should step in interstate because interst- Dade County is doing nothing about these problems. You know, how and can you call you- yourself a conservative when, whenever you have something like this, you call for the federal government to help bail you out? Well, I believe the federal government should be conservative, so not liberal. <laughs> does that half? Does that a half-ass answer? No, no, no. I think that the, the real, the conservative answer is that issues like this should be handled at the state and local level. And it's the local level, is the county, sometimes it's the city, and then the state. You know, uh, and yet, we have and a yet good... I'll back at you, my friend. So, what is it, what problem do you have with the parent guardianship school? It should I be have solved no at problem the, with that. At the, at the most parent local journey. level there is. Absolutely. And you don't seem to be barking up my tree when it comes I, to that. I support school choice in all types. All types. So, that's basically the vanilla response. Absolutely. Stale bread, no bacon, or low flat, or low fat bacon, or Soggy low fat. Soggy bread. Soggy bacon, burnt bacon, and like the guy who disconnected our phone earlier. Absolutely. Cranky Frankie, can't believe it. You're now but officially in the archives of the Concrete Conservatives. I was at the uh, Americans for Prosperity. They're going to have, on Thursday, they're going to have a, a report on the legislative session. And they, they have, they're all in favor of school choice, including, you know, vouchers and so on. But I never, I, I asked them about the Parent Guardianship uh, Act, and they, they're, it's not even on their radar. So you need to raise you that hear, radar. Did you hear? Did you hear that? That the phone was disconnected when we started the Concrete Conservative, and now we're talking about it live, Cranky Frankie. Uh-oh. I'm leaving you a message. How can you disconnect our phone knowing we are a calling show? Unbelievable disregard, and this is the future of America. Oh my God! Soggy bacon and burnt eggs for you. So. It's one of those things where uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. It's, uh, it's, it's the solution to our problem, unfortunately, is another law. And before the another law gets passed, you got to repeal a bunch of laws. So uh, they're, they're, I don't know. Should we just just not change anything? Just go into the food line and wait for some conservative to feed us, or what? No, no. But I think in the case of a local water issue, water and sewage, you need to keep it local with at the city level, at the county level, and at the state level. And don't get the feds involved. I mean, look at what they're doing. Well, that isn't what the federal laws about clean water have anything to say about that. They, they believe that when it comes to water, water travels and travels from state to state. There's no other state here. Now, you're talking about international pollution. It's going into the ocean. I believe so. Yep. Well, hello, that is federal jurisdiction, my yeah, friend. Yeah, it is federal what? jurisdiction. Ah, offshore. So once there you goes get, your argument. Once you get offshore, how far do offshore do you have to go? I think 12 it's all, miles? I think it's 12. You said 12. I thought it was 7. Okay. I'm just making it up because I don't know. 
Okay, but anyway, be, until you get there, uh, it's uh, state and local government. Till then. Who is the uh, commissioner for that, uh, for pollution and waste treatment for the state of Florida? There's got to be a commissioner. Uh, wait a second. Are that's you talking the, about in the management district? Yeah, or you no, well, from the state in Tallahassee. That's, no. that's where you got to look. If you find out who that person is, you can always call one 645 9773 toll free here on WSKF Blink Radio and locally 305 365 better than a taxi 7777 on the Concrete Conservative back in a moment feels like the first time does it really feel like the first time I don't know 1977 Foreigner
We're back. Apparently, we've come to the conclusion that there are certain groups of people here in this country that should definitely abandon the Democratic Party. So, Mr. Victorious, go ahead and tell us. Well, okay, that's a good point. We're going to have a couple of speakers uh, coming up in the next uh, two or three weeks. And one the point that they both made in separate articles is that the Democrat coalition right now is very brittle and can be cracked, especially if the Republicans hold firm, which is not always what they do. So one of them says that uh, the four groups are first African-Americans. They've been taken for granted. They have been lured into dependency on the federal government. The And the Democrats count on their vote, 90 percent of their votes. I think a big part of the reason Hillary lost, certainly in Florida, is that African-Americans stayed home and would not vote for her. I was a poll watcher in an African-American district in north side of Dade County, and I can tell you they were the Democrats were expecting 2,000 votes to be cast in that precinct. Only 400 votes were cast. Of course, 380 were for Hillary, but she was missing 1,600. And that happened throughout Florida. So that's number one. African-Americans, uh, there is a, a program call, uh, called Blexit, uh, uh, slash Blexit and Candace Owens, formerly with Turning Point USA, is very active in waking up African Americans that they're being taken advantage of by the Democrat Party. Remember, the Democrat Party was the party of slavery. It was the party of segregation. And in 1964, a greater percentage of Republican senators and congressmen voted for the 1964 Civil Rights Act than, than did Democrats. Uh, the, the Southern Democrats were the ones that were trying to hold black people back, including George Wallace, a Democrat, Lester Maddox, a Democrat, uh, the, the sheriff in Selma, Bull Connor. He was a member of the Democrat National Committee, like, uh, you know, Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz. So I think that there's a real opportunity for Republicans to make gains with African-Americans, especially if we explain to them that it was Republicans who ended slavery. The Republican Party was founded to contain the growth of slavery and then to abolish it. Second is Asians. Asian Americans, they tend to be very educated, high achievers. Uh, they stand out above Anglo-Americans in terms of academic and professional achievement in many respects. Very hardworking, family-focused. And yet, they're being held back by Democrat policies. Look at affirmative action. Uh, I've seen a chart where Africa, uh, well... Asian Americans are definitely put at a great disadvantage in every affirmative action case, whether it's getting into colleges, universities, high schools as well. In New York, there are there are several competitive admissions high schools. There's about a dozen of them. The most uh, known one are Peter Stuyvesant in Lower Manhattan, Brooklyn Tech, and Bronx Science. But there are several others. And the way you get in there is by taking a competitive exam when you're in eighth grade. Well, Asian Americans in New York City disproportionately win win in that. They perform very well. And if, if you haven't noticed, folks, uh, they also win every freaking spelling bee. And they spelling come in second bee. place right, and right. third place. They're, so they're very academic-minded. Their families push them. They're not necessarily wealthier, but they have a real focus. Of course, they have traditions, confusion traditions in the case of East Asians, uh, the Hindu traditions in the case of South Asians. And these are people who self-selected to come to America. So they're high achievers, and the Democrats are holding them back. They're not letting them into the institutions they want to get into. And I think, you know, there's So a, in other words, we need a, uh, a, a wake-up call. A Candace Chu. Yes, we need a Candace 
Chow. Uh, Asian. Asian Candace Owens. Uh, there's a Democrat uh, congresswoman. Uh, her name is like Virginia Sullivan. She's she's Vietnamese. She's married to a, a Mr. Sullivan, and she is a Democrat. And she says, "Well, I'm pro capitalism. I'm pro free tr- uh, commerce, free enterprise, and I'm a Democrat." She it doesn't make sense. She she's in the wrong party. Well, uh, you know what's the, the biggest problem uh, that I see with Democrats is that. They lie and they steal. Well, that's a big part of it. Well, one thing that Democrats tell the Asians is that Republicans are the white people's party. Another lie. Another lie. And, you know, all they have to do is look. And, you know, you're a Republican, right, Manny? And well, you're I show up at Tea Party events and I see black people there. Absolutely. And I think you should see more Asians. Uh, that is where, where there's a real opportunity, I hope, to uh, to come Asi- in. Asians, are by nature, uh, they like to stay below the radar. They do. They believe they're more effective with results, like... Most of us should be. Well, that's true, and that's that's a good thing because they want to have business success. Because I don't even know and professional I, I don't success. Really even I've never even heard uh, the Chinese American Chamber of Commerce really taking a stand on any issue. It seems like I, I they, they should be there, an indelible there some, force. There are some East Asian and South Asian. All I know is when you go to Chinatown, New York, it's yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's I fine. love it. I love. But the, but the people in Chinatown tend to be first generation or immigrants. It's the Chinese Americans who move out to the suburbs. And the question there is, how can we get them to vote Republican? Because all too often, they are middle-class, bourgeois values, business and professional people, educated, value their education, family-focused, and yet they vote Democrat, which is the party that opposes all that. And I think it's because they've been told that the Republicans are the white people, white folks party. I've heard them say that. And uh, we just need to wake them up and show them that there are plenty of uh, Republicans come in all colors and we are not, you know, d- well, discriminating against We should against actually Asians. just be analyzed and looked upon based on what we're fighting for. And it really has nothing to do with right. who we're Look at ma- the ideology, just the principles. Just look at how often we've been saying things are going to go wrong. They do go wrong. And we have the biggest problem taking credit for what goes right yep. when we say so. Like, why aren't, I mean, explain to me after Obamacare's failures, how in the hell... Did we lose the house just because? Because we had a lot oh, of cowardly McCain, rhinos. No one guy just yeah, said well, no. Yeah, one guy. But we had a lot of cowardly rhinos in the house, especially who retired. As you said, there were forty-six that retired. They had no leadership. Paul Ryan should have been fired once he said he wasn't going to run again. He plus did he, not lead. Plus a, he walked away. Yeah. As concrete conservatives, we don't hide the truth. Well, he, he walked away with eight million bucks. Well, there you go. Uh, so that I think so eight, I have a feeling he was padded by well, the healthcare whatever, industry what, not to oppose Obamacare right, that much. Right. Uh, okay. Lot, remember, folks, when you're out there, even though you might have people fighting for something out loud, the truth is they're undermining what they're fighting for in private. Right. Like when I said, I believe I told Ed Vidal one day, "Hey, in the most recent budget that us Republicans passed, yeah, we we got everything we wanted military wise." To fix our uh, yeah, but they funded Planned Parenthood. Yeah, well, they put Paul teeth. Ryan. They put teeth in that's all Paul Ryan. and the money. Yep. And the Planned Parenthood was minor that compared was the to the amount of money to enforce Obamacare well, one audits. Of, one of the good things is I think that next year you're going to see some real conservative Trump Republicans running for Congress, and that's certainly the experience we see here. And we're going to have well, right uh, now 33 of us are up in the Senate, and this abortion thing was very ill-timed. Well, you never know. That could have waited. So now I can see a Republican uh, win re-election, Donald J. Trump, and I can see us not getting the House. Why is that? Because 
uh, just like last election cycle, too many uh, too many incumbent uh, uh, Republicans are were facing inc- incumbency. Yeah. Well, that's happening now in 2020 in no, the Senate. No, it's not. They're, well, in the Senate. Yeah. Well, you think Senate uh, incumbent senators are going to uh, retire? Yeah, how about get beaten by women who are pissed off? No, no. Well, no, hello. No. There are plenty of women who support all these abortion. Uh, uh, I understand. Tell that me when what state you think Obama uh, got elected three times by Catholic women. Sorry, two times, but three times in a way, uh, because of Catholic women voted for Obama. Obama, okay. Really? okay. Well, you show me one or two states where a Republican senator is going to lose because of women voting against him. Not Texas. Not how John about Cornyn. Alabama's uh, guy gets to stay? Doug Jones is going to go down. Oh, uh, Alabama will be a Republican state. Okay. Yeah, tell me another one. Uh, th- that would be the best. Texas, example. no. Alabama, it's going to go red. It's going to go red as long as we can keep that judge uh, off it, the. It sure. It, you, I mean, the argument is solid only because it's Alabama who passes law and well, a woman signed. Texas, signed. Texas, John Cornyn, he's running. He's going to win. I'm not so sure. Oh, okay. All he's, right. not, he's no Ted Cruz. Cocaine Mitch, he's running in Kentucky. I don't want him to win. I know. He should be primaried. He should be primaried, but nobody will touch the guy. I mean, Wyoming even, apparently has an even open... Rand Paul, can't we give them both the Rand Paul, both the Senate no, seats to Rand Paul? one Rand Paul is enough. Yeah, but, that's true. But so that, those, that's a real issue. Uh, all right, so let me go through these other ones. Uh, Jews, of course. I mean, why are Jews voting Democrat? That's the biggest crime but of the century. That, you know, that's... I asked my conservative Jews that, and they look at each other with total be- bewilderment. Yep. They have no idea, and they, they they won't even take onus for their failures. You know, hey, it's not it, it's not us. It's CPAC. I go, no, well, no. yeah, they do. They throw it all to CPAC. No, CPAC no. The, keeps the Jewish the, coalition. The liberal Jews are liberals before they're Jews. Absolutely. So that's that's you know I don't and know what we can do about where that. Where in the hell did they get that that Nazis were conservatives or something? They, they don't know. They don't have fascism to, they is lack communism. Communism is communism. They Socialism lack is communism. National socialists or Nazis. I heard a story that I said once on this show. I might as well repeat it. There was something to do with the the early Jewish immigrants to this country in World War II that got them into the garments trade no, no, to make was... a living. And old man Singer and his sewing machine gave him the job. The fathers they've gone way on... beyond that. They have no excuse. And guess what? Uh, LaGuardia and all the uh, who were the uh... LaGuardia was a Republican. I understand, but he got him jobs. Yeah, no, the Jews are, are well beyond that now. Or if they did get jobs, then well, uh, talking about generational. Nah. Why you give me an example other than the Democratic Party of New York offering them work, just like Mayor Clark did here in Dade County. The Democrats that were Cuban, uh, who could care less about what uh, JFK did to us, they voted they Democrat, and it's good they got their, their jobs through Steve Clark. All right, yeah. well, I think the Jews are well beyond depending on uh, city and municipal patronage for their jobs. They're entrepreneurial, business and professional so people. So the Jew is just the same that. Jew, the, wa- the wandering list no, 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 Jew the, wandering the, in the desert, going around in the circles. The Jewish Democrats are generally secular Jews who don't want to have anything with the, to do with the state of Israel or with Yahweh or with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they're secular, and so they vote accordingly. The Democrats are the secular party. Uh, they're not Jews. They're, you know... Secular people. Secular people be, before anything else. They're liberals before they're Jews. And uh, well, I will I remind you, send... it was a very ugly hand, stupid hand, mm-hmm. visionless hand, 
to fight for the unborn at this moment in time in this fashion. Well, but I think those states are, are pissed off. They're yeah, pissed off by but, all the infanticide. But aren't in, you also pissed off that uh, we haven't had 60 senators since 1911? Forget it. The filibuster is an unconstitutional, extra-constitutional rule. So I wouldn't worry about that. But no, oh, I mean, so another people, people in politics is a game of passion, and people are passionate to defend the unborn. So they did it. You know, that's how it goes. Uh, let me tell you to, another they one. they have to go ban? What about tech entrepreneurs? You know, the whole tech sector in the 1990s was kind of a, very much of an entrepreneurial, uh, free market, freewheeling, uh, you know, situation. But now that there are, we have these established companies that are protected by barrier sentry regulations. For example, raising well, capital. Let the audience knows what barrier sentry is. A barrier to entry is. Oh, barrier to entry. Barrier to entry is where regulations prevent new entrants into an industry. And I think that's happening. If you look at 2004 was the uh, Google IPO. Facebook was not long after that. The our, uh, We were talking about the SEC recently. We Our regulations for capital raising have gotten so onerous we have half as many publicly listed companies today as we had 20 years ago. We also have a majority of foreign resident, foreign citizens applying for patent pendings in the U.S. Patent okay, that, that's more right. foreigners than Americans are filing okay, so for that's patents. Not, I'm not sure that's a barrier to entry, but anyway, Hello, my point. Of course, it is. Tech entrepreneurs are have become. If, part you, of the if corporate you're the last estate. in line to get your thing patented, yep. you're the last in line to get it to the market. But see, tech entrepreneurs are very close to the administrative state because they need they rely on it for protection of their industry. That's what it's come down to. In addition, a lot of the tech entrepreneurs themselves are secular, and so they go for the Democrat Party and they identify with identity politics. You know, every human resources department is obsessed with identity politics, affirmative action, equality, fairness, you know, diversity tolerance. and inclusion over professional excellence. So all these things tie in. I mean, Google uh, had a uh, a committee to investigate artificial intelligence, and they nominated the president of the Who, uh, Heritage Foundation. And employees at Google objected to the president of the Heritage Foundation being on that committee, even though she's an African-American woman and a successful businesswoman, had been in government, a uh, good fundraiser as head of the uh, Heritage Foundation. And so they Google disbanded it. Uh, so this is the kind of people that are running our tech industry. That's why I have said on this program that the tech industry and big tech is not, they're, they're incorporated in the United States. They uh, were founded and they, they thrived in the United States, but they're not American companies because they don't have American values. And that's why they tend to be on the left side. So you feel the same about the registry as well. I can, right? That should be controlled by America. I think the the Trump the the Obama administration gave it away, gave it away. to international. Uh, but but these speakers, the callers that we're going to have in the next couple of weeks, talk about how tech entrepreneurs need to wake up and become more free market. They have to acknowledge Trump has reduced taxes and made them more fair, and he can do more with a Republican Congress. He has deregulated. Uh, of course, a lot of his deregulation comes in the energy and environmental field. What he well, needs to do is deregulate the executive branch of the United States. Well, that's So for he can sure. fire the, gut the whole thing. Right, well, he needs to get rid of the public um, uh, empl uh, employee unions in the federal government. It is unbelievable how they sabotage Get them. rid of the administrative state. But it's interesting to see if the tech entrepreneurs uh, really come out for free markets and deregulation. For example, 
They're uh, in the case now, of deregulation. Now, please define what you mean by tech entrepreneurs. Well, people at... at, uh, at uh, these big corporations. Well, they're Amazon. no longer entrepreneurs. <laughs> but the people, there are a lot of people that, you know, even if you if you look at the tech sector, there are a lot of established tech companies, obviously. But there are also a lot of people yeah, or, that are trying to start about tech companies. Yeah, Oracle, uh, Google, Facebook, Amazon, uh, Microsoft. These are all established companies. They're very liberal. They're not American. Uh, they're very much into diversity and inclusion. So they're not... Uh, really Republican candidates, but there are a lot of tech entrepreneurs that are trying to start companies, and you would think that those people would be looking at well, the Republican Well, look at Facebook's partner. He's already calling for the breakup of Facebook. He's well, got Max to grind with Zuckerberg. Lot, there's a lot to do there. They must. They must. All be, right. So let me ask you about one that uh, another. He must have lost a, a pillow fight to Zuckerberg. I don't in know. Or but let me ask you about the the other category, the final category that should be coming more for out of the Democrat coalition, and that is Hispanics. How do you think Hispanics are going to break in the coming elections in next year? At the, at the, same, at the same ratio as the, the African-American. No, no. Hispanics vote Republican much more than African-Americans. You told me how's it going to break. That was yeah. the question. So yes. I believe it's the same 10%. 10% okay. of blacks are coming with Trump. 10% more of Hispanics are coming. So where Why I only it, 10%? I just throw that number out there. Uh, that's a prediction. I, I would say in Florida, there's going to be a strong Trump uh, support from Hispanics because a lot of the Hispanics in Florida are refugees from socialism. Uh, I'm I'm going to a Sorry. Venezuelan American Sorry. Republican Association later I'm this here month. I'm in Miami. I find the most pathetic part of Miami, right. and it's changed, is that they do exactly what others have told them to do, which is get angry at the guy who tells you the truth because he told you the truth. Venezuelans are a perfect example. They resent those who uh, came here and kicked butt for them to have a nicer life when they got here themselves. I believe the Colombians, lesser to the extent because they went through uh, La Farc, which was yeah. a communist. Uh, yeah. So they've already bitten, bitten in the butt. Venezuelans are now realizing, whoa, socialism doesn't work. Sucks, <laughs> and maybe you should support us Central Cubans, Americans, right. who are anti-communist to the right. gills. But then they also see their handyman come over, who's a wet foot Cuban, who won't talk bad about Fidel. Came here to Miami. They're making a living, complaining about taxes, all that stuff. And yet, they won't really denounce where they where they came from. A lot of wet foot Cubans don't denounce Fidel Castro. I never forget. I think I mentioned this was before. Wet foot, uh, 1994. 94. Yeah. And Clinton passed it to get rid of the, the so-called Cuban-American right-wing vote, hmm. the anti-communist vote. And he did. He broke it. To bring in more uh, socialist Cubans. Well, from... to make them Democrat, registered Democrat. Hmm. And uh, when you wanted to go to La, La, La Yuma, the wet foot was always attributed to Democrats. Hmm. Uh, and so I imagine, I don't know, they would say the name. But Clinton. we'll see what happens, because I think the situation in Venezuela has caused many people to realize that the Democrats support the dictator, the the, the anti-democratic dictator in Venezuela. So I see a lot of Hispanics simply yeah. because of the immigration issue. Not they in still, Florida. They That's still hate Trump. Yeah. We'll see. They hate Trump because they want to get their family we'll, in. We'll have to ask our uh, uh, That's a very mixed Congress. bag. If the United States, if Trump is going to defend us on this side of the, the border, those mm -hmm. who are already here, us, not really me because I was 
born in the USA. All right, good. But it's very hard for him to get Hispanic votes when he's anti-immigrant. Now he's not anti-immigrant. Well, that's what they painted him as. No, well, there, there's a false painting. He just wants he's anti-illegal immigrant. Right. And who shouldn't be? Even if you're an immigrant in this country, you should realize the obvious that illegal immigration suppresses labor rate. Mm-hmm. It just the hourly rate or the hourly wage is suppressed, meaning it can't get higher, right? Right now, wage should increase because the unemployment is low. So who am I expecting? Aaron Cruz. Welcome to WSQF 94.5. This is a concrete conservative. You're speaking to Mac and Ed Vidal. Who do I have the pleasure to speak with? This is Aaron Cruz. How are you today? Well, how are you in Bolshevik America? I'd like to know how you're surviving out there. We're surviving. We're surviving. You know, uh, everyone says that California is lost. California is not lost. There are a lot of people here fighting the good fight. It's just we're run by a very, very large progressive regime. Uh, makes it hard to believe that we have so many Trump supporters, liberty-loving conservatives, and what have you out here. But don't believe the lies of the media. We're here, and we're fighting. Okay, Aaron, thank you very much for calling. This is Ed Vidal, and I wanted to tell our audience that you are running for Congress as a Republican in California. What part of California? So, yes, I'm running, and thank you for having me on the show. I I really appreciate it. You know, we have to unite, especially at this hostile day and age where the progressives are trying to take over. Um, I'm running for Congress here in the 36th Congressional District, which is considered Southern California. It's in Riverside County. It covers the majority of the space that I'm running in. Uh, I don't know if anybody out there has heard of Coachella. You know, yes, the uh, there's a big huge uh, coach. No, well, there's a huge festival. There's a big out there. festival. <laughs> yes, that's where I'm running for office. At. Okay, my uh, daughter and son-in-law went to Pomona College in okay. Cl- Claremont, so I'm a little familiar with that. Is that You're, close? That's not too too far, you know. But California is a huge state. Yep. You know, it it really is a, a dynamic, dynamic state. Well, and who's the congressman there now? What's the? How long has he been there? Oh, goodness. Raul Ruiz. Okay. Um, he, he, not that long ago, I want to say it was 2012, you know, and, and around that time they had redistricted, redrawn the line. Right. And that's when the district turned blue. Okay. Uh, go figure. Uh, that's what, about the time that Raul Ruiz took office. And, you know, he's a, he's a quiet guy. Everybody says he's a nice guy. But the unfortunate part is he's voting 90 plus 90 percent. Uh, with the Nancy Pelosi's, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, right. who everybody hears about. But nobody really hears about Raul Ruiz, and right. it's unfortunate, uh, because I don't know about, uh, you know, you guys, but I just don't feel repre- you know, represented right, when we have those types of radicals. Well, well Rep- one thing that's happened in the, uh, the last uh, congressional election where the Democrats took over is that they won a lot of kind of swing districts with semi-moderate, uh, congressman, for example, in Texas, the seventh district had been Republican uh-huh. for a long time, and they won with this kind of progressive, moderate uh, woman lawyer. And what I say uh-huh. to my friends in Houston is, look, she may be moderate, she's very nice and all that, but she uh-huh. votes for Nancy Pelosi, so Great. it doesn't matter. 
Well, what is it that you can, uh, since the seat was held before Dr. Reese, uh, Reese was uh, elected, it was Mary Bono. Is, is, that's the same. Right. That's the wife of um, uh, Cher's Bono. Sonny, yeah. yeah Sonny, Sonny Bono. Bono. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, since you're, uh, is there anything that you could say that would uh, get those Mary voters uh, to you, considering you're a woman? And how much the, the second question would be, how much are you affected by the jungle primary uh, rules? Right. Well, okay, those are two very different questions, and I'd like to address them separately. So what we have right now currently is a, a position where they did redistrict, and so that's what's thrown them over that blue line, really. Um, and uh, this last congressional race, there was a gal who ran. She was a good candidate. She garnered 41% of the vote. Uh, you know, and she was a Republican. But here's the deal. We have to really get down to talking to the regular everyday folks. We have a lot of service-oriented, work, you know, working families, uh, those kinds of groups in the Valley who are just trying to get by. Um, and nobody's really talking to them. We have a heavily, heavily uh, Catholic population. You know, faith and values is real strong in the Valley. Uh, nobody's appealing to their better judgment. Uh, and, and you know, really going out for their vote. So we're going to do that. The other thing is, you know, I just... Oh, excuse me, are, are you Catholic yourself? Yeah. I'm not, but I'm a person of faith, and I just see that our, our faith values are not being um, really, truly represented in the voting that's going on in our district. What's the ethnicity of your They're district? Is, is it mostly Hispanic? It's, in the entire district, it's just under half. Oh, Okay. That's not. Yes. That's not. Uh, yes. So you know, be, it, because it's a very large district, it spans a good a good amount of space. So back to your question on how I believe that I might be able to garner some of those votes. Look, the the Bonos were very very involved in the community and the surrounding areas, and I just I toured the Salton Sea, which is a huge health risk to to the people population out there. Um, it's being heavily neglected. It's also uh, at risk for the other species, the the birds and wildlife that are in the surrounding area. Um, and also tourism is affected. Uh, we can draw a lot of people out with tourism if we do the right thing with the Salton Sea. Uh, and I believe that um, the Bonos actually were recognized at the Salton Sea for a bird sanctuary out there. The sanctuary needs help. The birds need help. The people need help. We have to appeal to regular folks just like myself and probably just like you guys, right, who just, they want to get good work done. They want to live in a healthy, healthy space. They want to have good jobs, strong economy, safe communities. Public safety is a big thing. And, and if we can get that message through, I believe we'll be highly successful. Now, to your second question, which was about the jungle primary, Really, in, in this district, it's not so much of an issue. Uh, you know, he, Raul Ruiz, they're not going to run a Democrat against him. They're just not going to. Um, and in terms of the primary so far, I'm the only person in the race. So, okay, so you expect um, to survive the primary yeah. for the general and go up straight up against him? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, that's what we're looking at, and, and it's looking good. We've got a lot of strong uh, support out here. The Federation of Republican Women, many of the ladies are just really getting involved and excited, which is great. You know, the ladies do a lot of the work here. Yeah, you know, well, go ahead, and, go ahead and mention. <laughs> God uh, bless them. 
Yeah, you well, know? go ahead and mention your website so our audience yes. uh, hears yes. that. Because we'll remember, we're also on live stream. So, you know, right. cal- uh, you can always come back to our website and you'll hear this interview in the archives. And you're free to share it uh, back in California because on the live stream, everybody can go in there and listen to it. So, That's wonderful. Let me let me give them the website. Um, on my website, where people can find out information about the campaign, is erincruz.org. That's E-R-I-N-C-R-U-Z.org. And, folks, you don't have to, as these guys know, you don't have to be in California to get involved, to do phone banking when we get closer, or to donate. Uh, you know, we're going to need a really focused effort by people who want to flip and take back the house uh, to get the job done and uh, to get somebody in office in as many districts as we can to help President Trump accomplish what he needs to accomplish to get this country back on track. Now, Aaron, uh, have you gotten what kind of support, if any, have you gotten from like uh, Kevin McCarthy and the National Republican Committee or any, anything like that? Yeah, he's a California. Well, yeah. Right now, it's really it's really a new campaign launch. We have our kickoff is on June first. Okay. Uh, our kickoff is on June 1st. I just met with uh, some fundraising individuals this last week, uh, and we're going out for endorsements. We'll have a lot of really great endorsements coming out, especially <laughs> on the kickoff. So stay tuned for that. But we're getting a lot of strong support um, from our party chairman, from, like I said, the ladies' organizations out here, uh, and people who really want to take back this district. Now, are you so, are oh, your bona, let the audience know your bona fides? Are uh, were you involved in politics previously? Is this your first attempt at politics, or were you a state representative? Or let our audience well, know. So yeah, so I ran against Diane Feinstein in 2018. Oh man, kudos <laughs> to you! That's the bona fide I wanted to hear. Yeah, God so, bless you. Yeah, well, we fought the good fight, and there were 31 people in that race. We came, I think, uh, fourth or fifth. Um, and, you know, the numbers out here with the, the ballot harvesting that happened, some of the fraud that happened in one of the largest districts in yeah, L.A. Yeah, talk, where talk to our audience about uh, harvesting. I think they need to know. Yeah, how does that work? Okay. Well, you know, ballot harvesting is really an interesting thing where um, I believe it's illegal. It shouldn't be done. The integrity of our right. vote is paramount. Uh, nobody else should be able to touch your vote except for a family member, maybe if you're ill and bedridden, right, right. Um, and, and your ballot. Well, right now in California, it has now been legal where someone can come and knock on your door, uh, ask you if you want them to turn in uh, your ballot. Right. They can take your ballot, and where it goes from there, we don't know. Uh, You know, if they have a list and it tells them that this household is Republican or Democrat, there could be some nefarious actions going on. Oh, Uh, if it were Dade County, I can tell you where they'd go, right to the Miami River. Right, right. So, yeah, you you keep Um, the Democrats and you throw out the Republicans. That's exactly why we didn't uh, count the hanging chads back in 2000. Yeah, that that sounds really bad. I mean, South Florida (laughs) has a lot of election chicanery, but this just sounds like outright... uh, Scanned, yeah, scanned. Well, yes, yeah. So people, there's the people who are gathering these uh, ballots are supposed to fill out a little form uh, and and state that they're turning this ballot in. Uh, but what we hear, and this is from one of the meetings we held in Riverside from one of the district attorneys who came to speak, was that in many cases this this form may or may not be filled out, or they forget it, or what have you. 
and you know, there's really no true accountability for one, the person who's actually filled out the ballot, and for two, the person who's picked up the ballot and has then walked away from the door and is supposed to to submit it to the voter registrar. So, I would like to hopefully see that this gets, uh, you know, pulled off our books. Uh, but unfortunately, it won't happen before 2020. So how are you going to counter it? Well, you can go in and amend it. Um, no, no, but on the street, on the could. street, what are you going to do? Well, we're talking about, um, you know, these are the rules, this is the law. So um, we can work within the law to encourage our party, which I'm a Republican, to get involved um, with the the CAGOP um, ballot harvesting program where we're training the CAGOP and other groups, local groups, are training individuals how to go to homes, build relationships, and go to homes and pick up ballots and, and turn them in lawfully um, and responsibly. And so, in other words, if you can't beat them, join them approach. Yeah. Well, you know, we have to be smart about this in terms of doing it the right way, though. You know, turning in the form, showing that you turned in the document. Well, I think just being yeah. out on the street when they are is just, uh, I find that poll watching is part, is the half the battle is just being present. You, you're right. deterrent. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm more interested in going to court and eliminating it entirely. So that- there is talk about that. There is talk about that. There is hope for that angle as well. Um, we did hear about a movement to look at um, some of the issues in Riverside because that's what RDA could speak to of some of the shortcomings of this new quote-unquote law and how it's it's really unlawful. So there, many individuals are looking at it throughout the state, and they are taking the integrity of the vote very extremely seriously. Now, on another note, uh, is there a way yeah. of attacking uh, Dr. Ruiz? about supporting Obamacare and you going after him on uh, at that angle? Yeah, what are the issues? Cause he, he, he... So, so some of the issues are um, he, he is a radical. Ruiz is a radical. Uh, and uh, I don't believe he was in office when um, Obamacare was voted on. However, the one thing he was in office on that is big to me and many individuals who are even pro-abortion or pro-choice or, as I call it, pro-murder, um, yep. he, Raul Ruiz voted for infanticide. Right. He did not vote. He voted against having a, a third-party advocate or an advocate for the newly born baby who who was a victim of abortion and survived. Uh, and that's just, it's tragic. Is that, and being a physician... Is that the me, Born Alive Act? What's that? Is yeah, that it's the, the Born Alive Born Alive Act. Act. He voted against, yeah, he voted okay, against so you it. As, so you as a woman, you, that's probably your yeah. strongest uh, trump card right there is going after him. Yes. Because it's really rare for a woman to be, uh, you know, pro-life in a in a district in a surrounded by Democrats, with mm-hmm. a, with a with an incumbent physician who knows the science, knows exactly how alive that baby is after six weeks, and right. knows how developed the baby is at twelve weeks. Right. Is right. would it be prudent to call for uh some kind of clarity because i think the republicans are are going to get hurt and i was saying this earlier in our show that mm-hmm. if we can't paint the picture that, that we're not calling for the ban that we're calling for uh closing the window to make the decision for the abortion uh it will keep the women from being really uh, unnerved about what we just did in alabama because i think 
it's going to be hard to win the House if we don't clarify what we really want, which is to go to court and narrow this right. window from 48 weeks yeah, down to remember, 12 or 16. Well, here's will the never... problem what we're seeing. We're seeing people put politics before the people. <clears throat> uh, we need to put people before the politics. And, and what this whole abortion issue comes down to is there are certain groups that want to see road versus wave challenge. And they, this is one way they can get that up to the Supreme Court and do it, right? Are um, uh, you implying that that's what Alabama's up yep, to? Yep, that's what they want. Well, it could but, be. That's, but, that's but, what some but, people are okay, saying. Okay, but Aaron, even if Roe v. Wade is reversed, California and New York will always have abortion because it'll right. go back to the states. I yeah. hear you, and I understand you, but this is a political push I think uh, by certain right. powers to to kind of manipulate this next election cycle, especially with Trump running. You know, well, that was a, I, I mean, that was That's a brilliant. This act by uh, Alabama was poorly timed, but it was a brilliant move on the part of the radical left to bait us into behaving this way. And, right. And California, and, and California, New York led the charge. Neutralizing it is important and communicating that, you know, it, what it's really about is the right to life. Uh, the heartbeat bill kind of right. ushered all this in. Um, quite frankly, gentlemen, uh, what I would like to see done first is federal funding really, truly pulled from yeah. abortion and abortion clinics. Some, something that Paul uh, Ryan did not that do. That would be a start for me. All right. Well, that, you know, that's something <laughs> Paul, Paul Ryan did not do that. So if you do get into Congress, I hope that you're going to be a, a conservative, not a rhino. Strong advocate for, um, you know, your federal tax dollars. Look, you and I may not agree. You may be pro-life. You, you may be pro-choice. Okay, but the one thing I we could we should be able to agree on is I choose where my where my uh, funding goes in terms of taxation and where abortion is concerned. My religious liberties we may not believe the same thing, and and we shouldn't overstep those boundaries. And abortion is one right. of those top top issues where okay. I think religious rights and freedoms of other individuals is being completely neglected. Okay, let me ask you, though, a couple of other issues, because which I think should be the lead issues for the Republicans, and that is uh, taxes. The Democrats mm-hmm. have said they want to raise taxes. The cutting of taxes has allowed this economic boom to take place, mm-hmm. and regulations. It's the reasonable deregulation, especially in energy and environmental, that yeah. I think uh, has, again, caused this boom to occur. So where do you right. stand on those two issues, and where does well, your how will it sell with your constituents? Well, here's where I stand on taxation. <laughs> taxation is theft. Um, and but but the realities are we have a, we have this ginormous body of of money being pulled away from the people and, and applied in a, whatever way the government sees fit. Uh, we shouldn't have to wait another thirty five years before we see additional tax reforms. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, any place where the Congress can see visibly there needs to be adjustment to the tax code to ease the burden on the taxpayer. They should be taking action immediately. Right. It's their duty. It's their job. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what we're seeing in Congress. I would be supportive of any any measure which looked at tax reduction, uh, easing regulations, especially uh, surrounding energy. Right. Um, you know, we regulations are effectively a pre-tax. Right. Okay? It, 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 they're things that are set up well, well beyond, and I don't know how savvy your, 
your listeners are, but pretty much you pass a, you pass legislation, the regulation goes into effect. This costs money. Right. Um, you know, businesses have to adjust. Everything has to shift in order to make, you know, whatever action happen out in industry, um, and then costs. Are affected. Okay, right? so, so you're, you're we a cons- have to be real smart about how we adjust things, and should we give it a little time? Well, it's been a period of time. Where can we make a, make adjustments and reduce tax even further? I would stand against any new tax. Okay, so you're a conservative. You're for lower taxes. You're for deregulation, reasonably smart deregulation. Right. Okay, so where does your where do your constituents stand on that, and will this be a good issue for you? Well, in in my particular district, I think we have the the very far left liberal progressives. Then we have you know kind of the the centrist that's you know just you know I pay my taxes and it's it's not really a big deal. Just I don't want to hear about you. You know you work for the government and and great. Um, the people who are progressives are going to be the issue because they want the Medicare for all. Right, that's you know, very expensive. Uh, they want the Medicare for all. They want the free uh, services that are not actually free. So that's going to have to be a part of our messaging. Is nothing from right. the government is free. You only are gaining something that's been taken from somebody else. Right. It's not the ultra wealthy. It's the middle class who are just trying to struggle to get through at this point. Okay, but what so, do you think your constituents? There are enough of your constituents that will buy this. I do. I really do believe that there are. Uh, the Valley is, I see, you know, the Valley, the Coachella Valley, um, Riverside County is highly conservative, and there are a lot of Democrats who are fiscally uh, more conservative. They might just be social liberals. Right. We're going to appeal to their better nature as smart business. Right. You know, because uh, that's what it comes down to. And, and I don't believe that the majority of the people are dumb, you know, like some of these people play Republicans out to be, uh, you know, very judgmental and don't they think the voters are stupid. That's not true. Um, I believe the people are smart. They just need to have the information so they can make up their own mind. And that's what we're going to give the people. Well, I'm hoping that constituents, especially um, you know, middle of the road uh, folks, mm-hmm are going to realize that the economic boom that we are going through, and I'm not sure how uh, much that district is booming, but I think most of America is booming, is due to uh, President Trump's policies of lowering taxes and having reasonable deregulation. Yes, and our area is is booming, if you will, in, in some ways. They're building now. You know, we have new construction uh, and that's always a good sign, right? Yep. <laughs> For years, it was seemed like the, the towns there were kind of uh, falling to the wayside. So we are seeing a lot of opportunity. Unfortunately, the Democrat messaging is strong uh, in the progressive sector, and we have to get past the it's because of Obama mentality, because the truth is it's not. What do you mean? Because, you know, oh, you mean that the economic growth is because the of Obama? The economic boom is because Give of me a the, break. Uh, Obama, Obama. That's ridiculous. Era. But you know, in California, there are a lot of state regulations against construction. So, how are you guys getting through that? Well, that's another point, especially in California. Uh, I know that um, there is a large need in our particular area with the different um, the different uh, festivals that come through. We're really strong in the economy in that way, and. And it is a service-oriented district where we have to be able to facilitate that kind of tourism. 
so that's, I believe, how we're being, you know, being able to get to the point where we're we're flourishing in that way. Are you guys part of the uh, Inland Empire? California is rogue. They're 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 not doing Californians any any favors in, in terms of tax and regulation. Are you guys part of the Inland Empire with all the distribution? Um, we're south of that. Yeah. Yeah, so we're kind of, we go all the way from the border of the state all the way inland to the edge of kind of San Bernardino County. Okay. Uh, and and uh, we have a lot in terms of trucking that goes across on the I-10. Right. Uh, we have a lot of uh, rail. Rail is huge, right. and I hear it's going to triple, um, you know, in terms of the amount of, you know. Right. Um, um, trade that kind of goes through there. So, uh, you know, we have a lot going for us as a district. We have a lot of money that comes through, and um, we are a strong corridor for trade. So I believe we could do great things, especially with energy. That's a huge, huge area where um, we're extremely diverse. Okay, do you, so, so you have oil and gas exploration? We have... <laughs> I'm from Texas. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, we I just went to the geo uh, th uh, thermal plants out there yep. and by the Salton Sea, and I, I you know, I'm, we have the windmills. Um, oh, come on. I know everybody are like you know they don't like that kind of alternate alternative energy, but we need to be competitive as a country and self-supporting. And yep. if we can tap our natural resources, whatever those might be, hey, if it's efficient. But, okay, so are you affected? Views on that. Okay, are you affected by the illegal immigration yeah. uh, issue? Is there a lot of uh, tension in your area because of it, or? Well, that's an interesting. That's an interesting perspective um, in terms of. Uh, we do have a heavily Hispanic community out there. Uh, it's a hot topic, I know, for some. Uh, one of the things we are impacted by, from what I'm understanding and meeting with different different leaders in the area, is we do have human trafficking issues. Oh, sure. We have a lot of gang issues, which could be tied to potentially a lot of illegal aliens. We know that 40% um, of the prison population, you know, is MS-13 type, yeah, yeah. type folks. Illegal, yeah. Okay, so now how do you how are you addressing that? Because that's an easy vote for a Democrat. Uh, we want open borders, and wall. my opponent doesn't. So our right. Well, public you know public safety is also important. We have to remember this that that people generally they want to be safe in their communities, and anytime you have these other populations in there, um, you have high you know higher crime. Uh, and you're less safe. And so I think the people need to understand that these these numbers, these these types of situations like illegal immigration, they are tied to crime. Yeah. Um, nobody is saying we don't want immigrants. We want legal immigrants, people right. who obey the laws. And um, like many generations before us right. have come here legally. Um, and, and that's I'll, great. I'll... Uh, we don't want people who are breaking the laws here. It's often we don't know who is here, and then how do we um, how do we take care of the people who are here if if we have unidentified illegal aliens who are here committing crimes? It's an issue, and statewide, as a matter of fact, because many counties around our county have um, have uh, opted out of the sanctuary state. Statewide, we have such a diverse. Uh, position on that issue, it, it creates problems. So, you know, we have to talk to the people about public safety, right. law and order, 
ensuring a strong community for our children, you know, and, and appeal to their better judgment in that area. We're for legal immigration. Now, what's the doctor's stance on, on this, considering he's uh, a Mexican heritage, from Mexican heritage? Is he making a, uh, a big stand, or is he uh, voiced? Because he seems to be a young guy. He's pretty mute on it. His voice has been pretty mute on it. He did, one thing he did, he is pretty outspoken on is uh, the homosexual, um, you know, LGBTQ issues uh, and the uh, abortions rights issues. Uh, well, he shouldn't have to drag. Areas. You don't really have to go there. Uh, as a Republican candidate, you can just pretty much dodge that subject altogether. Or do you feel compelled to answer him on that issue? opinion, we have to get back to the basics right. and true equality. Um, you know, I believe that liberties and freedoms are being lost for, by overregulation right. and overbearing government. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, so you basically dodged the whole you, LGBT yeah. You know, one of the issues on illegal immigration is that uh, the biggest <laughs> victims of illegal immigrants, the illegal immigrants, prey on Hispanics. Yes. That's where there they are. There is an issue there. Yeah. And when I was in There's Houston... There was a, I, Wait a I got when to know you the say people, they pray, or you say that they the victims, impact. The victims. Of, oh, the victims of the crime. Yeah, the crime. It's okay. Hispanics. When I was in Houston, uh, I, I met the, the founder of this group that Trump has connected with, uh, the Remembrance Project, which are parents mm-hmm. of children who are victims of illegal immigrants. And almost all the parents are Hispanic or, or half Hispanic. And the executive director is Maria Espinosa. Was, they're all Mexican Americans uh, in one way or the other. Who are affected by gang crime? They are the victims. No right. question. Right, which would which makes sense, you know, especially if you have illegal aliens who are coming in who their primary language is Spanish, you know. And, and let's just be very clear about this, though, gentlemen. It's not necessarily Mexico Mexicans who come over here right. illegally. They're coming Central through. Central Americans. There are people from even overseas. Right. Illegal immigration is much larger than people want to recognize, and it's not necessarily our southern uh, neighbor. Who so, are you, no, no, are, are you telling Americans. us? Are you telling us the magic bullet might be that Muslims are getting across That's as well? That's part of it. That's part well, of it. Well, we have a big issue. There is a national security issue yeah. there, and my job as a Congresswoman, first and foremost, is ensuring strong national security. Yep. So you know, <laughs> after that. The, the federal government's power should be pretty limited, and they're out of control now, as you guys know. But um, national security is a top priority, uh, and that's a big part of my platform. And so as it relates to the border issue, yes, there's a potentiality for a few bad guys to come in. And, and that's all it takes, as we saw with 9-11, a few bad guys. Well, unfortunately, uh, just... Just a body type, uh, a Muslim can easily mingle with a bunch of Central Americans and could never be discovered. Until, right. Until and the other issue, gentlemen, is human trafficking. Yep. So, you know, when we look at lives and livelihoods, everybody says, well, we need to help these people, these poor people. But the problem is we don't know who they are. And, in fact, with the children, we don't know right. whose children those actually right. are. That's if right. they've been smuggled, if they're being trafficked for the sex trade or, you know, the work trade, whatever that might be. We have a responsibility and with human rights and other kinds of violations that are going on to to take care of the issue, address the immigration issue, but also to secure our borders, to 
discourage any future human trafficking. Um, and then you have the, the drug issues as well. So, you know, I think it's just on a national security level, it's something we have to really take seriously. And, and I am a supporter of building the wall, but I'm also a supporter of infrastructure, which is a wall, technology, right. which we need massive updates to, and manpower. We need enforcement at the border, and we need interior enforcement uh, to ensure that we have a strong uh, a strong approach, would and you, then would, our economy will thrive even further. Would you vote for E-Verify, for example? e Would you vote for E-Verify? Well, that is a very interesting question. I know that there is, there currently is an E-Verify, E-Verify program. Um, are you talking about a mandatory E-Verify? Sure, all employers. Right. Well, I would agree that it wouldn't be a bad thing to make sure that our employers are obeying the law. So yep. I am in support of E-Verify. What do you think of the Trumpster's uh, new uh, merit immigration program that he unveiled last week? You know, I, I'm considered by Numbers USA. I don't know if you're familiar with Numbers USA. No, tell us. Former. A what? <laughs> former. Numbers USA is uh, an immigration platform where you can examine the each candidate or politician who's currently in office and see where they stand on all immigration issues. Um, where merit-based entry is concerned, um, uh, it, there is an issue surrounding some of the bill. I don't, I don't say that I would want you know, it all to be mixed. But what I'm for right now, gentlemen, is securing our borders and ensuring that the people who come here come here legally through a process, whatever that might be. And and if if he thinks he can get through his 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 immigration uh, reform, great. But I just don't know that it's what exactly what I would like to see. Are you are you or your constituents offended by the word merit? No, I actually think merit is a great way to get people who are here and qualified. But if we understand the history of of immigration and people who um I am trying to convey this to you in the best way possible. Uh People who come here to this country, for example, a lot of people who come here for education and they end up getting a, you know, they're here on an F visa, they go to the J visa, they end up getting a permanent residency and working here. Yep. Um, a lot of these people who are getting an education here should be sent home to their home countries. Their home countries, in many cases, need skilled individuals to stay there and help build up their home countries sure, and their economies. But, but we need we them want too. We want to the best here, and we want strong people to come here and be self-sufficient when they come to our country. But at the same time, I think it's important that we recognize there has to be there should be a balance. Well, yeah, look, well, in, the, the, in the state of Texas, where I used to live, 57% of the Hispanics are on welfare, and I'm Hispanic. Right. Uh, and, right. you know, that's that's not the kind of immigrant we want. These are no. illiterate, we want landless people who are peasants. self-supporting. Yeah. 
Yeah, they need to be self-supporting. Um, and the, these folks are illiterate, landless peasants. A lot of times they don't even speak Spanish because they're from Central America. They speak Indian language. You know, I've uh, seen that in Chicago. Every time you say landless peasants, you yeah, sound... that's who they are. But you're sounding... They can't you, get a job You sound in, like a Leninist. My God. Well, I'm ex- explaining who they are. Jeez. And they're coming here. Well, they they have very little as, human capital. I'm on the other side of the coin from the... I'm not... Uh, as much as I like merit-based immigration, because I realize, you know, the family-based immigration is not working. There no, I, I would move to actually uh, limit and or uh, eliminate chain migration. And right. I'm for getting rid of birthright citizenship. Yes, right. I, I, so I'm pretty tough on immigration as far as my stances are concerned. My thing is for the, the merit, uh, the way it's defined, I just think there could be some adjustments to it, and we have to look real close, especially when we have these corruptocrats in D.C. Yep. legislating and what kind of good deals they're getting out of these things, you know, that that are going on up there on the Hill. You know, we just got to be smart about it. Well, we all. Uh, the the yeah. point I wanted to make is, and that's something that someone has to embrace. There has to be a method for farm workers to come to the United States and pick our stuff so that we can eat. Why can't the teenagers and unemployed urban youth do it? Uh, the most qualified people, other than these folks, who, who are going to really take on the task of being under 100-degree weather and picking fruits and vegetables that have to Manny, be hand-picked. that's good for teenagers and unemployed. A good luck getting them. The, next, the only alternative to this type of farm labor is... Well, come, it's massive food. Here, here in California, we have a, a very large, extremely vast uh, program whereby individuals come and they work here and they work on the land. There are a lot of legal uh, permit workers here in California. And, you know, how do we expand that or, or keep that where it needs to be and make sure that we have people who are farmers who are, you know, claiming all of their employees, all of their, you know, not hiring people under the table. Unfortunately, there are individuals like Diane Feinstein who meet with these farmers and tell them it's so great, we're going to try to help get all your people who are illegal, legal. Mm. Uh, you know, and that to me is a problem. Yeah. That is a huge Big one. problem with that. Yeah, it's so, an easy vote, too, in the process. Yes, it is. So, you know, we just, we need to get back to the basics, be it a national laws and you know, create a space where if there are employers that need more workers and, and they can't facilitate and they can prove that they haven't been able to facilitate new hiring from uh, the outside, that they then can apply for uh, more worker permits for the farms. But there, here's the deal, is we have to put America workers first. You know? Yeah, but and, Americans, and, are not, um, Americans aren't farm workers anymore. Americans are reaching out to them. They are. If they're on welfare, they should be uh, collecting instead of food stamps. They should be working on the fields. Oh well, well now you got an you angle. Know? If you're on welfare, right. you have to uh, work on a farm. Yep, that's compulsory labor. That's fought but by they're the getting, courts. They're getting paid. Well, well, you that's... know, there are a lot of programs currently here in California that state that if you've been on welfare for a certain period of time, you need to be in either a work program, yep, or you need to be in a school program, or doing. Uh, you know, some form of uh, function there with the state to become self-sufficient. And if it means that the able-bodied individuals are able to work in certain industries and the tax, 
you know, what we don't want is a burden on the employer, right? That's going to drive costs up. You well, know, if, I mean, if there remember, there's not just... Break, if there's a tax break for the employer, there's an incentive to hire certain individuals to be able to work in in their um, their field of interest. And so but time we've seen, out, that, with time that, out, seen I, that with disabled people. So I want to also uh, emphasize, other than farms, you also have tremendous canneries. That's a huge industry, fish industry and frozen. And, this is inland. Okay. Yeah, uh, the, we're inland, so we probably... Um, we we do have farmland. We have a lot of. But do you have uh, canneries? Canneries dairy. is a huge a huge industry That's of in illegal Alaska, immigration. Uh, Washington State. Okay, yeah, so, so the, we and we also have um, dairy and beef farms. Uh, we have we have a lot. We have a lot throughout our valley. Um, that I guess what we're trying to say here together collectively is there's still a lot of employment needs to be filled. And, and we would like to see them filled by American citizens who are out of work or Amen. You know, Amen. looking for work. Amen to that. Well, oh, yeah. we, we, oh, it's any job is a good job. That's right? a, and it's an honorable thing to do is to have a job. Well, I thank you very much for the call. I hope we, we can support you. And yeah. by, uh, by all means, uh, you're free to... Uh, you know, share this uh, podcast because it becomes a podcast yeah, once and, we put and, it in and the let's archives. Repeat that website is AaronCruz.org. Yes, yes. Please get involved. Donate if you can. Skip a latte. Skip a soda. You know, send us a little bit of money. <coughs> it goes directly to us in the campaign. It'll be put to work here in the valley. We have about 122,000 Democrats we want to reach. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very right. much for the call, and I wish you the best of luck. God bless you, gentlemen, and keep up the good work. Thank you. All right. Well, Ed, you know, I'm not so sure you added a whole lot to that conversation. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, I'm going to add a lot right now because I want to announce that— Now, you're running for— No. We are starting, and we we need to get our chief technology officer working on this because I want to create the WSQF Exchange for Illegal Aliens— who will be uh, residing in Broward and Palm Beach counties, Florida. We want to create an exchange so that host families can sign up to host these people while they are waiting to go to their court hearing on asylum claims, which uh, can be several Do we tie years. them up as well and chain them to no, our no, ankles? No, no, We want host families to volunteer to host them, you know, have them uh, sleep in their house and feed them, and then teach them English and civics. We'll have to work on a civics program for that. Of course, listening to our program is a part of the civics education. And well, some people think that only you speak English. That I just speak, you know, jibber jibber jibber. That's right. But and then the other thing is, we you know they they should be there as long as necessary so they can go to their hearing. And then the host families should make sure that these illegal aliens go to their asylum hearing. Because a lot of the and how are you planning to appeal to that? Because a qualified citizen, I think there are a lot of people Democrats. in Broward County that that's who they want. These are their future voters. You would think that they so would take, take care, care of them. for them now. Absolutely. So I want to create this opportunity for them for to register them as Democrats. Host families. Well, they're not registered yet. They're not citizens yet. They have to go well, to their if asylum you feed case them all the way to their court hearing. And then you would think they'd be uh, become registered Democrats. Oh, after wait, that. that's a lot of feeding. But they, they might go not, through the they uh, might residency not, period. But they might not uh, win at their asylum hearing because a lot of these asylum claims. Yeah, ninety six percent have are, to go back. Yeah, they have to go back. So it's a it's a risk, but you know it's a long term investment. But I know that in particular, 
Broward County and Palm Beach County have a lot of Democrat families. So I think it's an opportunity for these families to show their compassion and reach out to these illegal aliens and host them in their homes, teach them English, teach them civics, and then host them until they can go to their court hearing. And maybe they can contribute to their uh, training them for their court hearing so that they say the right things at the hearing. So I think that's an opportunity that a lot of our listeners in Broward and Palm Beach County are going to appreciate. So we need to set it up on our website, which is wsqfradio.com. Right, Manny? Uh, I got to go. To my, I think I'm gonna have to go to my, uh, <laughs> the Square Foot Community Radio Board for that one. Oh yeah, and it's starting to look like. Well, you uh, think there might I, be liability I for the it, WSQF? I not only do I think there would be liability, but I think it would be uh, human trafficking. Human trafficking. There you go. You nailed it. You you're on the ball. You know where I'm coming from. That's the ticket. I feel you, bro. Like the next no, generation this is would compassion. Say. Yeah, this com- is compassion. This is... You're just not compassionate, Manny. My God. So I'm going to build a wall between Dade and Broward County. No, no, no. We need to uh, be inclusive. Wow. And diverse. Thank God the city and county of Miami is not a sanctuary city. Right. But uh, Broward and uh, West Although we do welcome busing because we've had busing from Brownsville before. So you might as well fill them up at the Miami Stadium. That was a long time ago. Yeah, but fill up the Marine Stadium again. I mean, sorry, the Marine Stadium hasn't really functioned as a stadium anymore. What's the Marine Stadium? What well, right on your way, you you see the monolith uh, structure of the Marine on Stadium Key every time you come Key? here. Yeah, on Virginia Key. So you just put out huge barges out there, you float a bunch of barges. No, no, no. We want and build the tents. We want families. We don't want ank- tents. We want families. Come on, to host Ilima- the illegal give immigrants. illegal immigration tent yeah. cities oceanfront. Okay, well that's another one. We will that'll Fill be up the a whole separate basin. program. It's better than we'll, the yachts, right? We'll have right? them come over to Key Biscayne. But no, That's I how think, ludicrous your I idea is getting. it's important to, that these host families, because then they can teach them English, and they can teach them civics, so that they can do a better job at their asylum hearing whenever that happens. So oh God. We're, I'm, we're on the cutting edge here on WSQF of reaching out for be a di- diverse and inclusive community. How about we, uh, how about we go to uh, Eric Clanton? She's no. waiting. Why I shot the sheriff? No, she's waiting. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.